if I can, oh, some thumbs up. There we go. I can see some people. Fantastic. Um, I hope that uh, you're having a good day. I feel a little liberated this morning because it is the first time I've been able to properly stand up for about eight days. And um, I've had Achilles tendonitis flare up this last week. Um, and literally in the night, I did just suddenly, you know, started to feel a lot better. So I feel quite liberated. I'm hoping that this morning our focus on the Holy Spirit will also bring a liberty for, for all of us. And so if you're, if you're joining us for the first time, either by Facebook or maybe you've jumped into the Zoom meeting as well this morning, then um, a huge warm welcome. My name is Jim. I'm one of the pastors here at Elim Connect Centre. And this morning we are here to centre on Jesus. And we have been going through a series on the creed. Now, don't turn off as soon as you hear that word, because I know that for some creeds uh, can be off-putting, but we're we're kind of going through this to bring a real life uh, and um, vibrancy to our beliefs from the position of that, you know, our beliefs cause us to act. And um, we're very much a, a type of church that believes in action, that is active in our community, active with the spirit of God in our homes and families. And, um, and so... The reason why we've been going through this for a number of weeks actually is to help us as followers of Jesus to develop a better symmetry or balance or consistency in our journey of faith and our walk with God. It helps give us a, a clarity of who God is, but also informs our community because we are a global people, an ancient people and a diverse people that follow Jesus. And as has been mentioned, of course, at the start and actually in hearing the first part of Suzanne and Stephen's conversation there, we're looking very much this morning on that statement in the creed of, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this because as soon as you say the words Holy Spirit, Instantly, we are drawn to the fact that as Christians, we believe we are more than material, that there is more than just a material, physical, visible world that, you know, that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, it'd be impossible for me in a few short minutes. And again, we're going to do the message in two parts this morning. And um it would be impossible for me to go through, you know, such a depth and breadth of history and teaching and theology on the Holy Spirit in just one session. However, question, how do you feel when a church speaks about the Holy Spirit? What are your experiences with and of the Holy Spirit? I know for some, the very mention of the Holy Spirit can make us a bit nervous, a bit twitchy, maybe excited perhaps for others or so I don't know how active is the Holy Spirit in your life. Today I think one of the main points of the many we're going to kind of go through this morning is that today we are getting to know someone not something. Someone not something. And that's a very important, but yet 
easy to overlook piece of language. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not an influence or a power or force, nor an attitude, but a person. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God of the Trinity. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit, the paraclete, which is the advocate, a comforter, a helper, an encourager. In fact, the word means someone to come alongside. The Holy Spirit being someone to come alongside us as followers of Jesus. So this morning I want to get into a few characteristics, qualities, attributes of the person of the Holy Spirit. So a few a few things you may want to jot down some notes and scriptures. I'm going to mention quite a few, but we will be spending some time, particularly in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 at various different points. They would be some really good chapters of uh, of the Bible to to read. But we're going to mention a number. So at first, a few qualities and attributes initially to get us going. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, a letter that Paul writes to a church in Corinth, in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, and he writes, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. These verses speak of both an intellect and a will, a will and an intellect to plan, to to think. But also in in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, which we will revisit later, importantly, very much so later in today's topic. But in, in that verse, again, a letter that Paul writes to a church in Ephesus, he says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember that he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, but also in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6, again, Paul writes about a joy in the Holy Spirit, and he writes of a joy of the Holy Spirit. So within the Holy Spirit, there is emotion. The fact that the Holy Spirit feels joy, can be grieved, and that we Sometimes as well, the Holy Spirit invites us to feel how he's feeling. So to think, to feel and to will are undeniable attributes of being. Today we speak of and meet someone, not something. It's easy to get into Star Wars mode when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And may the force be with you as many of us approach. 
but today we're speaking of a person meeting a person as Christians walking with and journeying with someone who comes alongside us. This is a very personal being. So what are some other qualities and attributes today, characteristics of the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. And that is referenced in a number of places in uh, in the Bible. But today I will reference that in John chapter 16 and verse 13, where Jesus says, when the Holy, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit speaks that which Jesus, Jesus speaks. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, it says there, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. The Holy Spirit speaks. And, you know, there are many things, many people speaking to us today, many opinions. There's so much noise speaking to us and at us, vying for our listening capacity to grab our ears, grabbing our attention. So if the Holy Spirit speaks, the question has to be asked, are we listening? church whether it be via zoom or on facebook or catch up on youtube or whether we are able and when we are able to meet in person the holy spirit is speaking to you and i now are we listening or perhaps some of us have our fingers in our ears you know you know like a, sometimes when we were younger and children and, uh, and we want to put our fingers in our ears because we're not sure we want to hear what is being said. Maybe perhaps we've got our headphones on and listening to something else. Maybe we're in a loud room with so much going on. So the Holy Spirit speaks. Also, the Holy Spirit teaches and leads again in as mentioned in John chapter 14 where I said we would reference a couple of times please do read the fullness of these words of Jesus but certainly in John chapter 14 verse 15 to 26 to pick out a few he says if you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you he is the holy spirit who leads into all truth Verse 26 says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. We live in an age of education, of information. If you want to learn something, just watch a video on YouTube. Google it as the phrase is known. Find out the information. Do a course. It's easy to do. There's information everywhere lots of teachers motivators all you have to do is flip on a, a a little advert on facebook or youtube and the advert is all about somebody trying to teach us a way of being successful or whatever it may well be but the holy spirit 
teaches and leads to where? To truth. We live in a world of mistruths, half-truths, blatant lies, a world that doesn't even know what truth is, but yet the Holy Spirit, this isn't about educating, it's about encountering and experiencing, it's about trusting the person of the Holy Spirit, someone to come alongside and lead us to truth. What else? Qualities, characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies. I love this. Again, in John 15, verse 26, when he says, I, I will send you an advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify about who? About me, about Jesus, as Jesus speaks those words. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. As followers of Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit who will have introduced us, revealed who Jesus is. It's this first-hand revelation, encounter uh, of Jesus. It is trustworthy. It is a trustworthy account from a reliable person. Somebody saying, let me tell you and reveal to you the wonder and beauty of Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, points to Jesus, reflects Jesus. And as he leads to all truth, he guides through life. Now, in John chapter 16 and verse five down to 13 I'll, I'll read a few of these it says but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is uh, not one and not one of you is asking where I'm going instead you grieve because of what I've told you but in fact it is best for you that I go away because if I don't the advocate won't come this is Jesus speaking to his friends his disciples and saying I'm going but the Holy Spirit Will come. This is actually a setting, I think, where there is a bit of grief. And Jesus is sending a comforter. Now, when we're in grief, we can go through denial. We can want to avoid the truth, getting to that place of acceptance. And later on in those verses, in verse 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit guides, leads gently from a place of comfort that is secure and trustworthy. So, in a few moments' time, we'll continue with looking at some of the qualities and characteristics of the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of God, not in a pecking order as such, but yet three in one and so okie doke we're going into part two we left the last part talking about Ephesians chapter four a little bit but actually sorry John 16 uh, where we you know where Jesus had mentioned to his uh, disciples that he was going and he would send the advocate uh, the reason why I mentioned Ephesians four because that's where we're going now and earlier in the service in the message I mentioned how the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And so just as, a, as, as any of us grieve, it says in Ephesians 4, verse 
30, and we'll go to verse 32, but we'll stay in verse 30 for now. But Paul writes, and do not bring sorrow to, the, to, to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Grieving, a sense of loss. Now, what would the Holy Spirit be grieving? I think the loss that we do to ourselves, the loss that we do to our own humanity, to our own being. The reality is that we often harm ourselves by getting caught up and getting caught out by our own sin, by not meeting the mark. And that that dense tarnishes the fullness of our humanity. So how does that happen? How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul goes on to write in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Remember, we're talking today about the person of the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual conversation. This is not a flesh and blood solely conversation. It is a spiritual conversation. And yet Paul is writing about the very things that we go through. In fact, he's talking about a sensitivity to the spirit, but the sensitivity to the spirit is different to a sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. One writer whose name escapes me now, unfortunately, hopefully it will come back to me before we finish, but he writes, if we only grew in awareness to the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, then we would develop an acute sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So how do we go about growing in sensitivity of the Holy Spirit? Instead, be kind to each other. Christians should be, but sadly often aren't, any kinder to others or to one another than what can be found everywhere else. But yet Paul encourages followers of Jesus to be kind to one another, to be tender hearted, not hard hearted, to forgive one another, just as God through Christ forgave us, essentially to imitate Jesus. This overall is the way of love. Now, For me, these truths, these practical truths are deeply, deeply spiritual. They give us no hiding place. We can't even hide in some pseudo spirituality that often many Christians end up hiding behind. Well, if we become so spiritually minded, it's irrelevant of the things on earth. And yet Paul is speaking about very spiritual, very practical things. 
And I actually think they're that powerful that when we are kind to each other and to others, when we remain tender hearted rather than becoming hard hearted, rather than becoming bitter and full of rage and anger and harsh words, when we forgive one another, that we defeat darkness. When we are kind to others, when we are kind and forgiving toward one another, we we defeat spiritual darkness. When we reconcile, when we address things with others in ourselves as well, we defeat. Paul gives us no hiding place. This is following Jesus, imitating Jesus, and how we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But also, as we move through a couple of final points, and there could be many, many more, the Holy Spirit convicts. John 16, verse 8, Jesus says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I could probably, of course, spend weeks just in those verses alone. But this morning, we land in this place. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts. Not you, not me, not the church. The Holy Spirit. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit who convicted me. What I didn't need was judgment. What I did not need was condemnation. What I needed was someone to come alongside me, to encourage me and introduce me to Jesus so that I could see the fullness of all of who God is. I would say this. The broken world in which we live and the brokenness even within ourselves needs the conviction and kindness of the Holy Spirit. A kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, Jesus-following people is what our world and our community needs. And within the Holy Spirit, he is gifted and distributes gifts. But of course, many of the church have fallen out and have loads of different opinions on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of which today I am wonderfully sidestepping because, well, I don't think it's necessary. Where do we land on the gifts of the Spirit this morning? Too many fall out about it. Too many get hung up on differing points of view about the Holy Spirit. Today, I'll say this. Desire the Holy Spirit. Desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but above all else, love. Love God, love yourself, and love others. Live in the way of love above all else. Because the Holy Spirit not only distributes gifts, but is a person of character who develops character within us, which is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. What are some of those? Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Character of Christ, character of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in this vein empowers the followers of Jesus to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit creates, as we see in Genesis chapter one, at the beginning where the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Holy Spirit intercedes and identifies and guarantees our salvation, as we read of in Romans chapter eight and in Ephesians chapter one. So as we land our message this morning, how can we encounter, embrace, engage with the spirit of God? I land with these few verses from Jesus in John chapter seven. The subheading in my Bible is living waters of the spirit. Jesus says on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. The spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is like a well, a river of living water in the hearts of those who follow Jesus. Living water, not tepid, not stale, not stagnant. Living rivers, moving, full of life wherever they go. And so church this morning, wherever you are, whatever place you feel you're at in our walk with God, I want to say this morning, the person of the Holy Spirit is inviting you and me to be refreshed, to be restored, to be reconciled to God, to one another. To live a life not full of bitterness and rage and harsh words, but of kindness, of being tender hearted, of being able to have the supernatural capacity, not the human capacity, but God's capacity to forgive as we have been forgiven. And in doing so, not only will we be refreshed, but as will others. So I would encourage us to embrace all that the spirit brings, to engage, engage how, well, perhaps by slowing down, by dulling the other noise and, you know, things that are trying to grab our attention to perhaps rather than speak to listen. I had a conversation with somebody from our church earlier this week, somebody, our resident poet. And in speaking to this individual, they said, this year, we're just doing poetry. Such is their love and their brilliance. In the conversation, they said they read this quote by T.S. Eliot. And I'm, I'm going to end up destroying it because I can't remember it. But I thought I must mention it. And essentially, this quote was because T.S. Eliot used to continually change his writings. 
And when questioned and pressed on this matter, he said, I'm not changing the, that which I'm writing. I'm changing me. There's something about the centrality and importance of the person of the Holy Spirit coming alongside us is not just to change the world. It's not so that Christians can all put on their Superman cape or Wonder Woman outfit. But it's so that we are transformed. So the Holy Spirit can come alongside us. So Spirit of God, we welcome you here and now at home, via Facebook, via Zoom, whether we be, be, be watching on catch up because the day has understandably been so full of many different things. But Lord, right here and now, we invite your spirit to press beyond the flesh and blood, to press beyond the things that we see physically, to press beyond the things of this world, to reach into a part of ourselves so that we are change so that we are forgiven and transformed to be more like Jesus so that we have capacity for kindness letting go of bitterness and rage so that we have capacity to be tender-hearted rather than hard-hearted so that we have capacity to forgive to live in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so that we can be aware of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.